being blessed to impact and how to walk in the blessing of God. So you can start counting me down soon when I begin. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, yesterday we had a wonderful time. And um, yeah, I am really grateful to the Lord for how he, he blessed us. Those of you that were able to come, if you're trying to interpret dreams and you get stuck, feel free to talk to me. Those of you that did not come, you know what to do. Do not come to me. <laughs> Go to them. Hallelujah. Amen. Now we can begin our teaching. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 112 verse 1. Now actually the whole psalm is absolutely awesome. Um, we're talking about the fear of the Lord and we've been, our whole series this year has been blessed to impact and specifically been teaching on how to walk in the blessings of God. And one of the ways we walk in the blessings of God is by walking in the fear of the Lord. So we're going to explore that. It's an introduction, this series is a mini-series, and maybe one day I'll take it a lot further than we're going to do in the next few weeks. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Psalm 128 verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Blessed is everyone, or blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Now, one more scripture, and then we will go into it a little bit further. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts 9, verse 31. He says, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. I want you to notice that the believers, the church, when it was birthed, one of the things that allowed it to really grow was the balance that the believers had between walking or living their lifestyle, being governed by the fear of the Lord, and also being governed by the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord is one of the most important characteristics within the kingdom of God. Because... As you're going to learn, when anyone is governed by the fear of the Lord, it becomes difficult for them to go astray. Probably it's impossible for them to go astray. There are many wonderful virtues within the kingdom that you can enjoy and still end up going astray. You can enjoy the love of God. You can walk in the love of God to a certain degree, but still end up going astray. Even though love is the highest expression of the nature of God, and holiness is his essential expression, so to speak. But nonetheless, 
you, you can have the, the, uh, the love of God and enjoy the love of God and still end up falling away like Judas Iscariot. He enjoyed the love of God. He experienced the love of Jesus. He was a, Jesus referred to him as friend, but he still fell away, didn't he? Yeah. Um, you can experience tremendous wisdom, have tremendous wisdom, but without this characteristic governing your life, you can fall away, as we see in the example of Solomon. Now, from a casual observance, one, one may say, you know, the fear of the Lord is kind of negative. You can see it as negative, or you can see it as something that's not even helpful to really talk about. It's a bit scary. Um, but when we look at it properly, we'll see that this is a foundational characteristic that enables those of us that will walk in it, embrace it, to enjoy the fullness of what God has for us in his kingdom. So what is the fear of the Lord? I want to read some scriptural definitions of the fear of the Lord and then explain it further. Job 28, 28. And to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to, to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord, that truly is wisdom. In other words, that is the accurate use of knowledge. Because wisdom is the accurate use of knowledge. So the fear of the Lord, that is proper reality, so to speak. And to depart from evil is its understanding. In other words, when you have the fear of the Lord, you see things correctly and as a consequence, you turn from the wrong things. Second scripture, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or is the foundation of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, without the fear of the Lord, whatever information you have will be deficient. That's why in our world today, even though knowledge has increased tremendously, the human race is at its most lowest level when it comes to its morality, when it comes to how it loves loves each other when it comes to honor it's at its lowest level we treat the most vulnerable in our society as not even being fit to be classed as a human being the unborn child and we call ourselves wise we call ourselves a society that has knowledge we don't even respect the life of the unborn child because of the foolish philosophy that believes that the right of a woman over their body denies the right of an unborn child to live. Shall we continue? Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. Another definition. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, you cannot, you cannot have wisdom without the true knowledge of God. And you cannot have the knowledge of God without having an accurate fear of who he is. So what does it mean to fear 
the Lord. Simply put in the Hebrew and the Greek words, to fear the Lord is to reverence him or to be in awe of him. In other words, you treat him with tremendous respect and you have wonder and also um, you have wonder and you are also uh, afraid, so to speak, of how he is. There's aspects about him that is terrifying. Now again, in our very, um, what would I call it? In our very, um, what are those um, colors that are very soft and, what doesn't, in our very pastel type oriented moral compass, anything, anything that appears definite is seen as heavy. Is seen as overbearing. But, and so when we talk about God, we talk about the love of God within a context of Western understanding of love. In other words, allow me to do whatever I want to do and like to do and think I should be. If I think I'm a frog, I am, you have to respect that. See, this is the kind of foolishness that happens when you abandon God. One day, one man decided, one, one, um, uh, it's, it's, this is actually true. A white gentleman decided to be a black woman and a black woman decided to be a white man. This, this is a madness that we have in our world today. And we are not allowed to say you need mental assistance. Because God is out of the equation. You know, no doubt someone on the internet will be very concerned right now. Be concerned in Jesus' name. The fear of the Lord in essence is recognizing God for who he is. And then making the appropriate actions with respect to that recognition. If we can keep the noise down at the back there, please. If we can keep the noise down at the back. Thank you. The fear of the Lord. Look over here. Just asking for help, you know. The fear of the Lord will mean you will see him for who he is. And then you will make the appropriate actions. The appropriate decisions for your life, for others, because of who you have seen him to be. In fact, the words translated in the Hebrew and the Greek, fear, that is connected to the Lord, means to be in awe of him, to revere him, to have reference for, to be afraid of, and to literally fear. So, they are not... They are not words that are, shall we say, polite words. It means to be afraid as well as to respect. One day, in my younger days, I heard the voice of the father in a dream. And it was a question he asked me. I was praying about something. And I heard his voice and he said to me, what do you want? That voice went through me. And I was so terrified, I ran from the presence of the voice. There is a side of God, a majesty about God, 
that is absolutely beautiful. But there is also a side of God and an awesomeness of God that is absolutely terrifying. When Moses stood in the presence of God, one of the things he said, I exceedingly trembled with fear. Because some of this, some of this, um, you know, these attitudes of Jesus is my best friend, Milaki. And, you know, um, me and Jesus, we're real tight. And then you see them fornicating in, with their tight Jesus. I mean, what, what, this is all madness and foolishness. You cannot be a friend of God and not have a proper fear of God. It's impossible. You have a friend who is a figment of your imagination that you call God, but that is not God. You cannot. You can, as you get to know God, there will be things that you will be forced to change or face the consequence. How many of you have been praying, Lord, I want to know you more? No, come on, lift your hand, be honest. That's not an insult. It's a good prayer. Come on, wave your hand. Lord, I want to know you. I want to, uh, well, just keep your hand raised if what I'm saying is you. Those of you that don't want to know him, you haven't been praying this, don't raise your hands. Lord, I want to know you more. Keep your hand. Wave, wave. I want to know you. I want to please you. I want to please you. As if you also add please you. Wave. I want to please you. Have you noticed how much rubbish has come your way since those prayers are being uttered? How much challenges to your character? Why? Because you want to know him more. So he's showing you what is involved in knowing him. One of the things that is involved in knowing him is allowing people to treat you like rubbish and you respond like Christ. It's not a very pleasant response to have. Anyway, so godly fear is very powerful. But it is not the same as the fear of a tyrant or a fear of a dictator. No, it's not like that. We only need to fear God or fear his anger or fear punishment for something. As a consequence of our actions that deserve his righteous judgment. And not because he's having a bad day or because he's feeling temperamental like some of us parents or he's feeling vengeful like some of us. God does not relate to us like that. But nonetheless, even though it's like that, the literal majesty of his presence, there is an aspect of it that will cause you to be terrified. You know, the, the highest of the created order, the four living creatures, because you see who is who based on who's closest to the throne, the throne of God. And the four living creatures are the closest beings to the throne. Then you have the 24 elders who represent the body of Christ or the church, the universal church, Old and New Testament. But the four living creatures, they look at God and then they fall down. Now, if one of them was to walk on this earth, the whole earth will tremble and will literally worship them as if they were God themselves. They are awesome beings. But every time they look at God and they say, holy, 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 it's not, it's not like how we say holy, holy, holy. 
you know, you know, holy, holy, holy. Oh God, you're so wonderful. It's not like that. <laughs> holy, holy is, is the, the only plausible response. In other words, what it means is, literally in the, 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 the Greek and the Hebrew, the word holy has to do with uniqueness. In other words, what you're saying is, there is nobody like you, and we're absolutely bowled over by what we've just seen. So whatever they saw before, now what they're seeing is completely transcendent to what they saw before and it's knocked them down. See, when the presence of God really comes down or really begins to manifest proper, if you look in the, in the Old Testament, even in the New, you find people will fall down. It's not like this elbow grease falling down business. People will fall down because they can't remain standing under the power of God. And the cherubims, they're falling down because they can't remain standing. It's not them showing God deference. It's them being knocked down by what they've just seen. God is awesome. Scripture says he dwells in light unapproachable. No, whom no man has seen or can see. It's, that in itself is a tremendous mystery. God dwells in light unapproachable. No one has seen him. So in the Old Testament, whatever they saw was not God the Father. No one has seen him or can see him. Amazing. So when you understand what he, who he is and what he is like, you begin to have an understanding of who he is like, it creates in you a holy fear, a holy reverence, an awesome wonder about the God you are serving. So to fear God is to so respect him that we will seek to honor him by how we live and by what we do. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 to 13. He says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Look at what God requires of you. But to fear the Lord your God. So God wants you to fear him. There's a reason. To walk in all his ways and to love him. Notice he puts the fear before the obedience and before the loving. Because when the fear is there, the obedience will come and the love will be evident. When the fear is there, you don't need anybody monitoring your life. Nobody will need to tell you how you should live. It doesn't, you don't need that. Nobody will need to tell you, you should get to church at this time, you should go to work at that time, you should treat your husband properly, you should raise your children properly. Nobody will need to tell you that. When the fear is there. When the fear is there, there is a way you will live in secret. It's good to let them enjoy themselves. If you, can, if, you can, if you don't mind, then let them enjoy themselves a little bit. That's okay. But if it gets a bit too much, then calm them down. It says, to serve Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. So this is what God is requiring of us. And one of it, he starts by saying, to fear the Lord your God. 
our reverence and our awe of him is such that we are willing to do what he requires of us. As the fear of the Lord increases in your life. And hopefully, I hope to be able to teach how to increase in the fear of the Lord. One of the things I pray for in my life as a personal request is to grow in the fear of the Lord. I ask him this. And I pray this into my children. As, a, as one of the key things, I pray God will give my children wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and that they will know his fear. They will know his fear. And I see it working in them. As they are battling with the, with the rebellious tendencies of youth, they are also dealing with the fear of the Lord. So they want to rebel, but the fear of the Lord is forcing them to come and grovel back. Hallelujah. Yeah. They're wondering what is happening to me. Daddy's prayers, mommy's prayers has targeted your soul. The fear of the Lord. But of course, I pray more for myself. It's good to pray for your children. But you can only give what you have. I pray for them. Yeah, Lord, help them to know your fear. To grow in the fear of the Lord. Because that is what will keep them in church, even if I backslide. God forbid. Anyway, if I was going to backslide, I'll die before because we've inserted the prayer clause. In case. <laughs> yeah. Look at Psalm 89, verse 7. God is greatly to be feared. I'm going to get it later on. Angela is going to talk to me about talking about dying. Okay, forgive me. I, 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 she said I should stop doing that. Psalm 89 verse 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. In the assembly of the saints and in heaven. So this convocation here, this gathering here, we are to greatly fear the Lord. We are to demonstrate our respect for God by how we attend to his work. To his ways, to the things of his kingdom. Now it's good, you know, to be fellowshipping, and that's fantastic. And, you know, but sometimes, including myself, we are guilty of being flippant when it comes to us ministering to the Lord, whether in song or ministering to the Lord, whether in prayer. We can become a bit too flippant. You know, in the younger days, in, in, when we're in the old Pentecostal churches, the classical Pentecostal churches, if something was happening and you were moving, the people literally get up and do this. And what they were saying is, respect. You know, we, we modern, we don't do it. We, we're, we're confident. <laughs> but they would get up and go, as they're going out, because they're showing respect. I believe in that. Hallelujah. If you see me doing it, it's because I've remembered So now, Christian Life Fellowship, the members. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what you should do. The point I'm trying to say is we should demonstrate respect for the things of God. You know, old school people, they used to, when it comes to the Bible, they were very careful how they handled the Bible. Today, what's the Bible? They just throw the Bible. After all, it's not the words, it's the spirit. 
Pentecostal charismatics. I want you to see another one. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. Look at this. New Testament. Just for those of you who think this is Old Testament doctrine. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Do you have any idea the implication? Now, we, when you were saying this, this is, where, this is where we discovered how Moses felt when he was standing before God. Because earlier on, he says, Moses, so terrifying was the presence that Moses said, I am exceedingly trembling with fear. If this is, and and it's in that context, he says, now we are coming to a kingdom. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's have grace that we may serve God acceptably. How do you serve him acceptably? Is it by sowing seeds? No, 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 no. Let us have grace by which we serve God acceptably with reverence. That word reverence in the Greek is with awe. With a sense of awe. Reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. With reverence. And godly fear, that word godly fear is dread. Godly dread. So you are careful about certain things. You are afraid about certain things. I wonder what you are afraid of. You know what most Christians are afraid of? Being found out. That's what most of us are afraid of. Being found out. What people may say. What people may think. Those things are useless. The other day I was talking to someone. I think it was in Ghana. And it was the other day. These days. There's a lot of traveling going on. And they were. Yes, it was in Ghana. And they were. Going on about their concerns about an action because if they do it, people are going to say and people might think. And, and I said, who cares? Who cares what, what people may say or what me, people may think? What matters is, is the thing you want to do, is it the right thing or the wrong thing? You know, the fear of the Lord means this. That we are accountable primarily to him before we are accountable to anyone else. It means this. There is an unwillingness in us to act against his will to misrepresent him in any way or to dishonor him by our actions. That's what happens. It is a willingness for us to embrace the responsibility of what he has called us to do, as well as a hatred towards anything that would hinder us in the process. In essence, the fear of the Lord will cause us to love him with our whole being. That's why in Deuteronomy 10, he says that, what does the Lord your God require of you, but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul.
Because when you fear him, you will love him. That's how it works. When you fear him, you will love him. In essence, the fear of the Lord is the ability. When, so when you have the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you will have the ability and the grace to always honor him in whatever context you are faced with. That's what will happen. In the silence of your conscience and in a public forum, your number one priority is how do I honor God here? That is the fear of the Lord. That is what the fear of the Lord is. Your number one desire is how do I honor God? You see, when we fear him, we are unwilling to do the wrong things and remain in sin. In fact, when we fear him, we have a holy fear, a holy dread about any kind of sin in our lives. Yeah. When we fear God, we are scared about sinning. We are scared. There is a doctrine that I hate. I hate it because it's giving people a false sense of security that says it doesn't matter what you do because Jesus loves you. Keep it up and see what will happen on the last day. It is a terrible doctrine. Jesus' love for us is unqualified, but his reward in our lives is based on our obedience. When you have the fear of the Lord, you are terrified to live in sin. Whenever you sin, you are aware. I'm not talking about when you sin in the sense of the spirit speaks to you. You are aware. I'm not talking about things that you are, because you're not mature in the Lord, the spirit doesn't touch on. There are many things in our lives that the Holy Spirit will not tell us is wrong because we are not mature enough to know that. But the minute you are mature enough to know that this is wrong, it means you are ready to deal with it. Hey! Somebody said, don't tell me anymore. I've got enough information. <laughs> I tell you, this journey, there's so many paradoxes. Uh, the other day I was talking to someone and you know, they were talking about how they feel bad when they sin, when they yield to a certain sexual sin. And I said, and they said, you know, if I, if I love God, why do I keep doing this? And I said, listen, right now, as I gave the analogy, a baby trying to walk. When they start to walk, you don't, every time they fall, you don't say, stupid baby, pow. What is wrong with you? You're supposed to walk properly. You've been crawling all this time. Come on, walk properly. Ah. Are you my child or what? This is not how my genes are. No, you don't do that. When the baby falls, you say, oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. In the same way, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. It does not mean you will not fall. It does not mean you will not mess up. It does not mean you will not have struggles. But the difference is, every time there will be a, a trajectory that wants to do the right thing. That wants to do the right thing. So whenever you mess up, you don't say, well, I've messed up now. 
I've messed up, so, you know, we all mess up. You know, I, I don't know about you, but in my younger days, I don't think I do it now. I hope I don't. But in my younger days, sometimes when I'll do certain sins, I'll say, you know what? Let me do the sin properly because the guilt that is coming, I must well really sin because then when, when I have to confront, you know, I know I, I got some enjoyment. <laughs> Now, after I then do it, I then feel so bad. You would think I say, oh, it doesn't matter. But I feel so bad. How many of you have done that before? I asked a question, you know. I said, how many have done that before? Every Christian has done it before. So don't mind those who didn't raise their hands. Everyone. It's normal. It's, it's because you are immature. That's, that's immaturity. But as you grow in maturity, you will find... That they'll come, you'll come to a place that some of us we've had a while. So, you know, sometimes we were talking about the last seven years of victory. But by the way, remember the 30 years before then. <laughs> you understand? So, you know, take it easy. Take it easy. Sometimes, you, you know, you, 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 you mess up and then you feel like quitting. But when the fear of the Lord is there, you can't. You, you're even more terrified now. So what I used to do would be this. Before I slept, I said, Father God, any sin. There was this prayer we prayed. Known and unknown. Forgive me. Have you done that before? You see, it's normal. Whatever you're going through, we've been there. It's normal. There's nothing new under the sun. But the thing about the fear of the Lord is, as you grow in the Lord, you begin to address sin in a certain way. I want to read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 to 11. Now, one day I'm going to do a proper teaching on repentance. I've touched on it before, but one day I'm going to do a proper teaching on repentance. Um, because although repentance will bring you into the kingdom, repentance will also allow you to grow in the kingdom. It's supposed to be a paradigm, a mindset you have till Jesus returns. It's not a one-off. But anyway, I want to show you what repentance looks like. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 and 11. And when the fear of the Lord is governing your decisions and you come to a place of repentance, this is what it looks like. He says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing. What? Observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence... It produced in you and what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. In other words, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, when you repented, you went all out to deal with the issue of sin. You went all out. So let me read it to you in another version. He says, when, when, he says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Now listen to me. Every time we sin, we will feel sorrow of some kind unless we are reprobate. Right? So we'll feel sorrow of some kind. Now, there is sorrow or remorse that you feel bad because you feel bad. After you sin, your guilt kicks in and you feel bad. You understand what I'm saying? But if you are honest, you are not prepared to stop yet. 
Jesus is not coming yet, not quite. Are you still here or have you gone home? So, this is what is called worldly sorrow. It produces death. But when you decide to repent, godly sorrow, he says, it leads to salvation. And there is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. Verse 11. Just see what this godly sorrow produces in you. So when you decide to repent, he says, such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm. So the alarm is you become very afraid about what you have been doing. You are alarmed. It's like, my goodness, what was I thinking? And then he said, such longing to see me, or such longing to see me, Paul, so that you can be right with me. Look at that. Such zeal and such a readiness to punish wrong. In other words, you will have a zeal to sort it out. You will, you will go all out to sort it out. You won't, you won't hide bits of your sin. I remember as a young believer, not young pastor, young believer, having some kind of struggles. You know, the normal struggles these days, the struggle appears to be on the internet. And when I decided to change, I went all out to remove anything. In fact, I decided I'm moving house. Because the person I was living with had access to certain things. Once in a while, I got tempted. So I thought, just to avoid the temptation, I quit. I'm moving house. I'm giving up my flat. So I handed my brother, Alfred. He um, said, you can have the flat. And I didn't know, why would I give up this flat? flat that you can buy and I said forget it and that was it why because I realized I was still vulnerable to that area so let me do everything possible to deny access when you fear the Lord you will do everything in your power to stop the wrong thing. It doesn't mean necessarily you won't be vulnerable because you're still growing. There's still areas of fracture in your soul. So you will be vulnerable. But you will do everything in your power. Say to your neighbor, he's talking to you. Uh, say to your neighbor, he's talking to you. Now, if they didn't say anything, it's because they're meditating right now. Right, so we're going to stop there because of time. And then next week, if I can, I'll talk about the benefits of fearing the Lord. I want to encourage you. So one of the things I realized about the fear of the Lord is, first of all, it's spirit. In Isaiah 11, the Lord talks about, it talks about the anointing that comes upon Messiah. The spirit of the Lord, that is the anointing of his person will come upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will be quick in the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. Now, this is the sevenfold spirit that came on Jesus. And one of the chief attributes was the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Which caused him to be quick in the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. 
quick to know this is wrong and this is right. I want that. That's what I want from my life. I want, I have the Holy Spirit, his person. I have the sevenfold Holy Spirit in me. But I want to be quick in the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. I want the spirit of the fear of the Lord to govern my heart, to govern my mind, to govern my motives so that even if I want to do the wrong thing, I cannot. If you are like me and that's what you want, stand where you are right now. Those of you online, if you are saying to the Lord, that's what you want, where you are, if you can, just raise your hands. As you stand, just close your eyes, raise your hands. I'm going to ask the Father to just touch us afresh. Now, the Spirit is already on us. But to cause this attribute to increase. I've been praying, Lord, let the Spirit of the fear of the Lord rest upon our church. Let it rest upon us. Bring a revival of the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, as we stand before you and those online reach out, if you cannot stand because you have a child, that's fine. Just reach out to him where you are. As we stand before you, as we raise our hearts before you, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercies and we thank you for your grace. And we say yes to your word and we say yes to the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We say thank you for the fear of the Lord. We are open. We receive the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We decide to be a people who will be quick in your fear. In Jesus' name. As your hands are raised, begin to thank him. Begin to worship him. Lift up your voice to him. Come on, let's just do that. Let's tell him, Father, I thank you. Begin to respond to him. Open your mouth and worship him as Zen comes. Thank you, Holy Father. Come on, let's do that right now. Just do that. Just worship him and thank him. Yes, in response to that word, I want to suggest, just sing that song softly. Um, we'll worship forever. I love you forever. Let's do that if the musicians can come. We'll worship forever. We'll worship forever. We'll worship forever, Lord. We'll worship forever we'll worship forever